in the audience. <laughs> I know you know how. How many of you uh, would say read, let's go 10 books a year? How many of you would read 10 books a year? Yeah? Okay. How many of you would be lucky to do one book a year? Yeah? That's fine. How many of you probably don't read any books every year? <laughs> cool. So I want to hear from those people who only read one book a year or less. Um, what was the last book you read, Cody? Do you remember? Can't remember what it was? The TV guy. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Uh, who else raised their hand with Cody? What was the last book you read, Allison? Do you remember? Her Mother's Hope. Okay. What was... Um, what was the motivating factor for you to read that book? What was what what made you say I have to read this book? <laughs> so you had read the the one before and you were, and it drew you to that next book. Okay. What about others who don't read very much? You remember the last book you read? Okay. Too long ago. Who knows? Yeah. Anybody else remember a poetry book? So what was your motivation behind reading that book, Jess? <laughs> so a little bit of peer pressure? Or they had a recommendation? Good. You should read it. It's good. Good. How about anybody else? Yep, Tim. Okay, so what was your motivating factor for reading that book? What was the motivation for you reading that book? Oh, that's all right. You can be, you can be halfway in and halfway way out. That's fine. Two chapters left. Good. That's good. That's a good effort. It's good. Stephen. Okay. <laughs> So what was the motivating factor for you to pick up that book? Yep. <laughs> so a little bit of ego there, a little bit of motivation from, from a speaker. That's good. That's good. Janine? Big reader? Great. Children's books. <laughs> What was the motivational factor for you? <laughs> That's right. Yep. It tends to work that way. Your stage in life sometimes dictates what you read, right? Yeah. Hopefully that will change in the future. You know, you can. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. The reason I. Uh, and wanting your brain to kind of get into that mindset is um, when we're talking about fundamentals, fundamentals of the faith, fundamentals of how we actually go about living our Christian life, following God. Uh, last week, the fundamental was, what was it? Prayer. Prayer. That's right. Good. And I hope you guys were practicing that this week. 
you know, practicing praying. We had some really cool things to pray about this week. Uh, some some really people who were in need and we we're able to, to really bring them before the Lord and, and pray for them. And that's great. This week, we're going to talk about getting into the Word of God. And the reason I brought your motivating factor up is because usually you just don't pick up the Word of God to read it just to read it unless you uh, are in the habit of it, doing it every single day. And sometimes that can be a bad thing if you're in the habit of it because it just becomes a box that you tick. Um, what normally happens with fundamentals, especially those fundamentals that you don't like to do, so I'm talking about any kind of fundamental, learning how to run or dance or play an instrument or write or do any of the fundamentals of any of those things. You usually come across one or two fundamentals you really don't like to do. Am I right? Yeah. So Janice, you, you uh, do uh, martial arts, right? So is there a fundamental in martial arts that you just can't stand to do? What is it? Uh, numbers. Numbers. <laughs> Just learning that easy for you, hard for you, right? That's the way it works sometimes. Uh, what about anybody else who does something? What is one of the hardest fundamentals for you to do in your kind of area of interest? Anybody have any uh, ideas? Now, how about learning the guitar, Katie? What was the hardest thing about the fundamentals of learning the guitar? One thing you didn't like about it? Yeah, so actually getting it started. Okay, that's a good fundamental. Some people don't like the soreness of the fingers. Uh, you have to go through a, a certain amount of pain. Your fingers get really, really sore before you can get to the, the end. Well, you love to make coffee. There's obviously some fundamentals about making coffee that you have to go through. What's your least favorite? Um, probably having high standards. Because <laughs> you have to throw away a lot of coffee. Yep. So just the testing of it. Yeah. Getting it just right so you can begin the process. Right. So there are these fundamentals that are like that in our lives. I believe... Reading the Word of God is one of those fundamentals that are, is really tough for most people. Most people who want to follow God, they want to do it, but reading and getting into the Word of God is usually sometimes the worst. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I talk to people who are following God and I ask them about their, their journey, where they are, how are they coping, what are, you know, what's their, their relationship like, a lot of times... They go, I find it really hard to read the Bible. I find it really hard to get into the Bible and understand it and, and get it as a part of my life. There's very mature Christians who have been Christians for many, 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 many years, and they still have this difficulty with putting this fundamental into their lives. And if I've learned anything from my wife over the years, I've learned a lot of things. But the one thing that comes to my mind in regards to this particular topic it's that we will not do anything, catch this, we will not do anything in our lives if we are not motivated to do it. Does that make sense? She deals with a lot of people who are adjusting things in their life health-wise, whether it's stopping smoking or stopping eating the, the wrong things. And she's found that 
that some people will just not make any adjustments unless they have some strong mo personal motivation. And that's the same thing with reading, I think. I think those of you who uh, only read uh, uh, lightly, maybe one book a year or even less, I think it's probably because you're not really all that motivated by anything to get to a certain book and read it. But if you do find that motivation, you will quickly become a reader because you'll, you'll, there'll be something about that book or something about that topic or something about that uh, information that will really draw you in and really want you uh, to, to come and, and learn about it. And that's what we have to find for you about the Bible. I can't find that for you, but I can help motivate you this morning a little bit by just telling you what a special book we have. Sometimes just understanding how wonderful something is motivates you to get want to want to know more about it. It's kind of like uh, your friends who told you, oh, you got to get into this book of poetry because it's so great. And that was just enough motivation for you to get into it and to start to, to look at it. Um, hopefully, I want to be that friend for you guys today that tell you just how special this book is so that you will, you will begin to think twice about reading it rather than just putting it on the shelf and saying, oh, that's too hard. I want to try and equip you with a little bit of a motivation, motivating factor. The Bible we have is a book like no other. Um, it is considered to be the most influential book ever published. And hopefully I can uh, help you understand that a little bit. It's a worldwide bestseller. Um, it's easily the world's best-selling book. Breaking all records known to man. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, since 1815, the Bible has sold approximately 2.5 billion copies. It's been translated into over 2,000 languages and dialects. The influence of the Bible is not limited to Christians, by the way. Uh, there are not only Christians, but there are Jews and there are Muslims, all who consider the Bible to be a sacred text. So I did a little bit of math. And I thought, well, if all these groups consider the Bible to be a sacred text, how many people is that in the world? And we're looking at 2 billion Christians, 14 million Jews, and 1.3 billion Muslims, all who believe the Bible is a sacred text. And that means that over half of the world's population consider the Bible to be a major influence in this world. That's half of the people on the planet. Over half of the people on the planet believe the Bible is a, an influential text or book that, that needs to be read, that needs to be understood. That's a lot. Our Bible is used in society. Um, if you just look at the societies around the world, uh, our uh, the influence that the Bible has had over history is huge. Without the Bible, the story of Europe, the story of the U.S., the story of Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and, and many other nations would be totally different if they didn't have the influence of the Bible. Matter of fact, in Africa, modern Africa, 60% of the people in modern Africa are Christians, largely because of the influence of the Scriptures. You remember uh, Dr. David Livingston? That's where we get our, 
that phrase, you know the phrase I'm thinking of? Livingston. Dr. Livingston, I presume. And you know why we have that phrase in our in our uh, English language? It's because he went everywhere. It was, he, was, he, he was everywhere in Africa. The reason why we have that phrase is because he was, he was popping up everywhere. And people would go, oh, Dr. Livingston, I presume. You're here. And he was a missionary. He worked, uh, he worked to end slavery. He introduced Christian values to much of the African continent. And he is one of the world's greatest explorers and humanitarians. And he was motivated by what? The Bible. Go ye into all the world and share my message with everybody that you come into contact with. And that's what he did. He shared that message. Um, Christian leaders uh, all over the world uh, have done so many wonderful things through the influence of the Bible. Uh, all of our humanitarian efforts, uh, all of our uh, feeding the poor, uh, feeding the hungry, and clothing the poor, and going into prisons, you know, and and sharing Jesus with people who are in prison. You know who started that? All of that. It was all started by people who were influenced by the scripture, by the Bible that we have. So much of the influence of the Bible on our society is key to many countries' histories. The existence of the Bible as a book for the people is the greatest benefit which the human race has ever experienced. This book has changed whole civilizations. Isn't that amazing? Are you motivated? <laughs> you want to see what's in this book that's so exciting and so life-changing? That's changed the world that we live in? It's pretty amazing. The Bible has influenced our society through its impact on our language. The words that we use, many of the words and phrases that we use, we use because they come from the Bible, the Bible itself. Over 22,000 English words have their root in the Hebrew language, which comes straight from the original language the Bible was written in. That's, that's huge. The Bible is quoted far more often than any other piece of literature in all of history. It has more influence on our language, our culture, our laws than any other book or idea that's ever been published. A recent book by the linguist David Crystal um, Appropriate, appropriately called Begat, the King James Bible and the English language counts 257 phrases from the King James Bible in contemporary English alone. Uh, some of these phrases you would know. Gave up the ghost. You heard that phrase? They gave up the ghost. They passed away. Okay, that's straight from the Bible. Out of the mouth of babes. Psalm 8.2, put, they put words in my mouth, Jeremiah 1.9. Uh, some, some people say, oh, that person has feet of clay. Have you heard of that phrase? Daniel, it comes from Daniel 2.33. They are the salt of the earth. Uh, I have fought the good fight. Right out of 2 Timothy. Uh, we turned the world upside down looking for that thing. You ever use that, maybe? Uh, that's straight from the Bible, Acts 17, 6. God forbid that ever happens to you. Straight from the Bible. 
there's no peace for the the wicked. Yeah, that's straight from the Bible, Isaiah 57, 21. Uh, the blind leading the blind, Matthew 15, 13. Um, over and over again, we can draw these phrases that the Bible has influenced us and changed the way that we talk, even by the, the very phrases that we use to describe things. Um, uh, U.S. statesman Daniel Webster, we know him from the Webster's Dictionary, right? Compiling all those words. He says this, if there is anything in my thoughts or style to commend, the credit is due to my parents for instilling in me an early love of the Bible. His motivation for putting our dictionary together came from his love of words and the Bible. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Probably wouldn't even have the dictionary if his parents hadn't encouraged him to love the scriptures and words. Um, what about Bible in literature? A lot of the books that we have, a lot of the books that we've read are motivated by the scriptures. If you look at the Grapes of Wrath, the Song of Solomon, uh, Moby Dick, the Scarlet Letter, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uh, you look at the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, the Lord of the Rings series. All of those motivated by people's relationship to the Word of God and God himself. The Bible and film. It is uh, one of Hollywood's best subjects. Um, whether they're making fun of it or whether they're uh, trying to uh, hi historically accurate uh, make it come to life on screen. Uh, we have all these particular movies, The Ten Commandments, The Passion of the Christ, Bruce Almighty, right? Even Pulp Fiction, Armageddon. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings series, The Prince of Egypt, The Matrix. Uh, you can't watch the Matrix series without seeing over and over these, these uh, hints of Scripture. And even the last scene of The Matrix where, uh, I don't want to give it away in case you haven't seen it, uh, but someone sacrifices their life for the benefit of other people. That whole uh, concept comes straight from where? The Bible. Bible. Uh, Chariots of Fire. Uh, Noah. My favorite, Evan Almighty. Gotta love that film. Right? It's so funny, God's interaction with Evan and how, uh, how that happens. I'm sure that's exactly how it happened for Noah, you know, in the beginning. But our, the influence of the Bible and its uh, influence on film is huge. The Bible and art. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The art that we have today, some of the most famous art uh, that we have today is influenced by people's interaction with Scripture. Uh, you, can't, you cannot actually, I've not been to Europe, but my wife has and she's told me, you can't go through Europe on a tour and not be uh, knowing the influence the Bible has had on art. Right? You just got back from there. I'm sure you've seen the, the ceilings of churches and the stained glass windows and all the different buildings that are there. The architectural uh, uh, wonder that is there, all these old buildings, were all motivated by people's relationship with God and the Bible. Its influence throughout all of our history is huge. You, ha you just have to visit those great museums. 
the Louvre, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. You find all those paintings whose subjects are inspired by the Bible. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, the statue of who? The statue of David, right? So we have the statue of David, the Sistine Chapel, uh, Michelangelo, all of these wonderful, wonderful artists who have been influenced by the Bible. Uh, the laws and morality of our land, um, Australia, America, uh, France, all these, all these laws that were that that came into being had their basis where the Bible. That's right. Societies like America, Australia, where the Bible was very widely read and accepted, the foundation of morality in our society came from the Bible's moral codes, the Ten Commandments. Um, great leaders have spoken about the importance of the Bible. As a matter of fact, there's, there's uh, courthouses all over the world that right there on the, the doorstep of the courthouses, what is there? What is it? In God we trust or even the Ten Commandments themselves, right? A lot of courthouses uh, in our country here and all over the world will have those Ten Commandments. The Word of God is actually on the building, which is amazing. It's amazing that they recognize, someone has recognized in the past or right now, that the influence comes from the Bible, our laws, our morality, uh, our our code of wrong and right come from the influence of, of the Bible. Um, Thomas Jefferson said, I have always said, I always will say, that the studious uh, pursuit of the sacred volume will make better, better citizens, better fathers, and better husbands. Now, he didn't say the Bible, but that's what he meant by the sacred volume. He used that word to describe the Bible, and he says the... The studious pursuit of the Bible will make better citizens, better fathers, and better husbands. Thomas Jefferson said that in, 17, uh, in the 1700s. And he wasn't the only president to go on and encourage uh, people to read the Bible and be influenced by it. So we see the Bible has enormous influence in our society, uh, in our culture, um, through our art, through our film, through, uh, through books and poetry, um, all of those things heavily, heavily influenced by the Bible. The Bible influences our society with all, uh, all the, the teachings that it has. And the Bible is indeed, it's a highly influential book impacting our society. I guess the question that we have to ask now is, if the Bible is the very word of God, if it has this much influence in our society and culture over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of history, um, and it's changed the world that we live in, it's contributed to our, our lives in, a, in many ways, I guess we have to ask, why, is, why isn't it changing us? And the reason why, I think, is because we're not exposing ourselves to it enough. And so we have to understand that the Bible is... Is good. It says in our scripture at the end there of your notes, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, says the Bible is good for what? Who said that? Teaching, reproof, which is 
helping us know what right and wrong is, okay? For correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Now that sounds like a fundamental to me. It sounds like if we're looking for a very basic thing that we can do to make sure that we're righteous, to make sure that we're uh, equipped for everything that, that's going to come about in our lives, so that we may be adequate for making sure that we're staying in touch with our God, the Word of God has to be there. And we have to get into it. We have to understand it. So if you're not motivated already uh, to want to start reading it, sometimes you're not motivated to get into the Bible because it's hard, right? It's hard to know where to start. It's hard to understand what you're reading. Uh, you go into and you just kind of pop open the book and you go, oh, I'll read this section. And then you read it and you go, I have no idea what that just said to me. And so you go, what? Plop. <laughs> Back on the table. I'm going to go play some basketball. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. And and I know, I know we a lot of us are uh, involved on the reading of the Bible app on the on the phone. And that is wonderful. I love to see that. But also, just reading it um, has some value. But actually beginning to understand it and study it, that's when real change in our hearts takes place. And so I want to encourage you today to begin to read it, be motivated to read it, and study it. So I'm going to give you a worksheet here in just a little bit. I think I have them here. Yep. Um, to help you do that this week. But let's first, before we do that, how do you decide what part to read? Do you just open it up like that and just read it randomly? How do you think you would do that? How do you think you would decide what to read? Anybody have any ideas? Okay, you might have a study guide or maybe an outline that, that has different points, and you could say, oh, I'm interested in that. So I want to read about that, right? What else? How else do you think you might be interested to read? Usually, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I have three books. One is a, a day-by-day devotion that I go through and keep track of what data I've done. The other is a different version. Yep. And I see what happens. <laughs> and then, and then I it's very surprising. And that works fine if you know what the books that you're reading are talking about or maybe the subject matter of some of those books because then you kind of know what's happening or what's going to be coming up or the subject matter by which that book is going to address. We know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk mostly about Jesus. All right. We know that Acts is going to talk about the church. Okay. We know the epistles or the, the, 
the letters after that are letters for that Paul wrote to different churches. So that's going to deal with maybe problems or encouragement to different specific churches, right? But what if we're just starting out and we just are like, I don't know where to start. Oftentimes it's good to start in your area of interest, something that you may be going through at the moment. Uh, say maybe you are having financial difficulty or maybe you had a financial windfall and you're going, well, I wonder how God would want me to react to this thing I'm going through in my life. I have too much money. Everybody, who has that problem? Okay, oh, I've got too much money, God. What am I going to do with all this money? Or maybe you have too little money <laughs> and you're going, oh, yeah, that's maybe more like it. Um, and you go, well, what does... You're just kind of fumbling your way through this thing, and you don't really know what to do. But maybe you say, I wonder what God has to say about money. Go to the Word of God. You know how you would find out what God says about money? How would you find that out in the Word? Uh, well, I use the version app, and I just search it up. That's right. If you have it on your app, on your phone, you would type in in the search what? Money or finances, right? And you would get every single verse, right, that talks about that. If you're old school and you didn't have one of these smartphones that are really smart, uh, you might go and buy a book called a Concordance. It's an old school book. Um, and you would look up the word finance or money, and it would tell you in that book the same thing as your smartphone tells you where where and when God talks about that. And you just start going through each section and reading, well, this is what God has to say about money. And don't just look at one, but start looking at all the different times that God deals with money. And soon, after you've done about 10 or 15 of those, and you don't have to do them in one setting, but you might say, over the next two or three weeks, I want to dis discover what God says about money. And you look at all those sections, and guess what? At the end of 10 or 15 times, what happens? You begin to what? Yeah, you, under, you begin to understand how God feels about how we should use our finances. Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you're having difficulty with relationships. Husband and wife, father, son, mother, uh, to children, whatever relationships that you're in. Uh, how would you find out what God thinks about those kinds of things? Again, go to your app, type in marriage or relationships. Um, mother, father, and you would soon begin to see all these sections that talk about those things, and you would just start reading your way through. And you soon get an idea of how God, what he feels about how we should live with one another, whether it's husbands and wives or whether it's fathers and sons. Uh, he addresses all those things. Maybe it's not relationships or money. Maybe it's something else for you. Um, maybe it's uh, just how you, you're, you're having a lot of trouble finding out what God wants you to do. What does God want me to do? And then you could, you could go through and do a quick search on what does God want me to do? What are those sections in, in Scripture where he says go and do? Where he tells me I want you to do this or I want you to do that. And you soon will begin to figure that out. Does that sound a little more easy than just plopping it open and saying, oh, I wonder what 
this says. Um, usually if you start in that area of interest, that area that you're going through at the moment, when you begin to read, it becomes what? Relevant to your life, <laughs> right? It becomes something that's important. Oh, God, I didn't know God thought that about that. And all of a sudden, you begin to adjust your life based on what God thinks and how he feels about certain things. So I would encourage you to start that. Now, one of the, the easiest ways um, is uh, Nate helped put this together. We found a couple of worksheets, and we didn't like either of them very much. So we put both of them together into this, what we call it's a little Bible study guide. And so when you uh, do a search on whatever you want to do a search on and start reading, you'll begin uh, to you'll want to start studying what those things mean. And so I'll pass these out. If you want to pass one side out, if you can pass the other side out, Tarzan, that would be awesome. And feel free to make as many copies of this as you like. And you can even actually, if you really like the way this works, you can actually, we'll have blank copies on the communion table every week. This might be something that you could... Uh, you could use just during the sermon time when we look at different passages. Basically, you just put the date at the top. You put what passage you're going to be reading. Okay? And then you just work your way through you just work your way through the boxes. So first of all, you're just observing what you read, okay? Those three boxes. Um, you just ask yourself, who is it who's the who's the passage talking about? What is the passage talking about? Uh, when? You know, when is this? Uh, where is it? Uh, you might have to do a little bit of study on finding out when and where. Okay? You can Google some of that stuff if you like. Keywords that are used. So if you were going through, like, say, 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love, and uh, you were observing, hey, this is talking a lot about love. What, what were some... If, if you went to that keyword section, you would probably start writing down all of those words that describe love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And you'd start writing all those keywords down in that box. Okay? And that helps you understand what that is. Um, connection to the passages before and after. And that's really talking about, well, let's look not only in the section that we're in, but let's look and see what it's talking about before and after that passage so we have a better idea of the topic. Okay, That's very important. And then personalize those three boxes there. Um, you're looking more a little bit in depth about how it applies to yourself. Key principles, things that are in there that really pop out at you. Um, you might be in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and you, you may not get very very far you might say love is patient ooh and you're going that's a key principle for me it i would go right over that cuz maybe it doesn't apply to me but you may be reading it and you go oh love is patient i might spend a little more time on that because i haven't been as patient as i probably could when i'm loving my wife or loving my uh, children or whatever so right janine's punching tony there so that's a key principle Remember that, Tony. That's a key principle for you. So, <laughs> so that's what that second box, personal application, is for. 
say that that word patience hits you in the, right in the middle of the face and you go, oh, i got to work on that. Write something down in the personal application, like maybe something you want to try and do this next week to try and help you in patience, in that world of patience. Maybe you go, oh, I want to try and not, uh, not allow my anger or my frustration uh, to, I don't want to go straight to anger and frustration. I want to try and be more patient with people in my life this week. That might be something. That's that personal application area. Um, and then what questions remain, what to study further. You might think, oh, this word patience has really got me. It's got me. You know, it's, it's right there. Then you, you might want to look up, well, what does the Bible say in other areas about this word patience? And so you could do another, a quick another search, and you can go, oh, patience. Where's the Bible talk about that? And it kind of leads you into other areas of where God talks about that subject. Does that make sense? This is a great, a handy tool to have. Um, basically, it, it makes you in control of what you're reading and helps you to learn it. Okay, And I think it would be really good. The other thing I think at the end is really good to do at the end of your thing is look at the passage that you read and then try and write it out in your own words. How would you put the same topic or the same uh, verse? How would you put that verse? And that kind of helps you internalize it a little bit more and actually uh, kind of soaks into your brain. Does that make sense? Okay, take those if you like. Make copies if you like. We'll have some up on the communion table um, each week so that you can uh, use them if you want. If, there, if it's not a good tool for you, that's fine. If uh, You can do the similar thing with your smartphone when you're doing searches. You can make some notes and do it that way if you like, if you're technologically uh, advanced. Um, and you don't want to write anything down. But this, this might really help you and motivate you to start looking at the Bible and reading it and studying it uh, in a way that you haven't before. Uh, if you're one of those people that if you find it really hard to read, um, this might be just the little thing that gets you over that hump to get you into the Word of God. Uh, especially some of our, our kids, you know, some of the recent ones who've been making decisions and, and getting baptized and, and making that next step, what that next step is for them. Start incorporating this fundamental into your life, uh, helping you to, to follow God in a, in a very special way by reading his word and, and getting into it. So uh, I would encourage you to do that. So let me pray. And then I'll just remind you, we do have uh, 10 minutes you know, at the end where we're just going to hand out the, the financial report. You can leave if you want, but we're, we really need to, the government says we have to hand it out and, you know, answer questions or whatever. So let's do that after we pray. Hey, God, thank you for today, and we thank you for just guiding us and helping us. Uh, our prayer today is really specific. Uh, we want to learn more about you, and we want to hear from you. And we really would like to put this fundamental of, of reading your word and understanding it into our lives. Help us to not get discouraged. Uh, help us to keep trying and to find some things that motivate us to get into your word. Um, we uh, are so thankful that we have the technology that we have. I remember, Lord, so many years ago uh, using that concordance uh, and not really having the ability to search the Bible like we do today. So thank you for that development and makes it so much easier for you, for us to understand your word. So thank you for that. 
um, go with us, guide us, and direct us. Uh, each and every one of us have uh, things that will be difficult in our week this week. We ask that you just guide us through those things. It's in Jesus' name.